This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs. Introducing the new spicy Cajun chicken sub, Cajun seasoned grilled chicken breast, zesty cherry peppers, and house-made Cajun mayo. Just $5.55 for a medium. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs would donate a minimum of $1 million in 2019 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.11% of every purchase. It's the Todd Berry Podcast. The Todd Berry Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. Ken Reed is on tonight, or today. He's the uh, he's a New England comic and a podcast host. He uh, hosts the podcast called TV Guidance Counselor. He'll talk about that. You can hear about that. And uh, he's an interesting fella. And I'm interesting, so... The combination of us talking is just, it's just, it's just really good. My book is out. It's called Thank You for Coming to Hattiesburg. It's like a tour diary about playing smaller cities. And um, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it on Audible. I narrate the audio book if you're into that kind of thing. It's got two forwards, one by Jesse Eisenberg and one by Doug Stanhope. I know, what an interesting pair of people to do a forward to my book. And they also read their forwards. On the audiobook, how did I get them to do that? I don't know. Anyway, I have some tour dates coming up. March 31st, April 2nd, Atlanta, Georgia, the Relapse Theater. April 6th through 8th, Philadelphia at the Punchline. April 20th, Fort Wayne, Indiana at the Tiger Room. April 22nd, Indianapolis, White Rabbit Cabaret. May 12th, Slowdown in Omaha. Todd Barry Podcast t-shirts are available. Go to toddberry.com slash shirt. And that will uh, lead you to Todd Barry Podcast T-shirts. Feral Audio brings you this podcast. So uh, go to feralaudio.com because they bring you a lot of podcasts. A lot of good ones, too. Ones that I should listen to. I'm so busy. Anyway, here is Ken Reed. There. We are we are a go. Are we are we rolling? We're rolling. Oh my god. Um speed. <laughs> I've never uh I don't even know what speed means. I don't really either. I think it's I think it's film speed. Because they would film at different I don't I have no idea actually. There's all those film terms. I mean I haven't, I haven't done a ton of acting, but there's a like check the gate. I think that I know. Is that as if see if like there's anything Yeah, if there's a hair in it, it'll scratch the film or ruin the take so they make sure there's nothing and I think the gate's like between the lens and the camera. But why do they check it at the end? Oh, I thought they were supposed to check it before. But that's always no that's always when you know that you're about to go home is when they go, All right, check the gate and then they do it and then you're that they seems too you. late because then they're like, I guess we have to do it again. I still even though you just explained it, I still don't understand what it is. So there's a hair in the gate of the... Yeah, it would be like in front of the lens, so it would have like ruined the, the shot because it's... Right. I get that, but isn't that something that they should be like... Checking before? Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. I'm sure someone will let me know. <laughs> someone will let me know. Uh, have you done... Have you done... Have you filmed stuff? You made videos? Right? I have very little. I did a thing, a small thing on um, Jonah Ray's CISO show. Oh, yeah? And I got cut out mostly. But... Seriously? Cut out of a CISO show? That's... Yeah. That's rough. That's that's a bit rough, man. Yeah, I did audition for a bunch of stuff when I was a kid, though. Oh, you really? Yeah, I auditioned for The Good Son. We filmed that in uh, in Gloucester, Mass, with Macaulay Culkin as like a bad seed type. Oh, was that a movie? Yeah. Did that come out? It did, and it had um, what's his name? The the kid actor that's in Sin City, and um, he's in Lord of the Rings. He's uh. Everybody knows Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood, the guy yeah. with the eyes. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's got he piercing was, eyes. Yep. And I made it to do an on-video callback audition for Robin in one of the Batman movies when I was a kid. Seriously? Yeah. And then they cast Marlon Wayans. <laughs> they didn't use him. They paid him for the whole movie and didn't use him. Really? Yeah. Made an action figure of him and everything. And See, they could have hired you probably for cheaper and yep. not used you. Yep. And that's how I pitch myself to every job I've ever had. How do you get auditions in Gloucester, Mass? I Well, that one was because I had auditioned for the 
Batman one. And the only reason I auditioned for that was because I was doing martial arts as a kid and they like went to martial arts schools and wanted like a, a kid who could do martial arts for to play Robin. Oh, so they they rec- they were went on a scouting. It was the lady who cast um, Eddie Furlong in Terminator 2. And that's all she talked about. Nonstop. Really? Yeah. What happened to him? Drugs. Oh, yeah. Big drugs. Is he around still? He's around still, but he's a mess. Really? He was in a boys and girls club or a YMCA or something that where she found him and he was playing pool. And she was like, hey, you auditioned for this movie. And he was like, fuck you, lady. Yeah. She was like, yeah, this is the kid. <laughs> wow. That was a big break. Yeah. And then after Pet Cemetery 2 and Brain Scan, it was all downhill. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I have not seen either of those. Yeah. What was the big movie that he was in? T2. Really? Yeah. It was his first Did, movie. I don't even know if I saw that. I probably saw the first one. I'm sure you saw the Guns N' Roses You Could Be Mine video. Oh, yeah. Of course I have. <laughs> of course I have. Yeah. Did, um, did you, were you born in Massachusetts? Yeah. I was born in Winchester, Mass, right outside of Boston. Okay. I should tell people, this is a special edition of the Todd Barry Podcast, because we're in Burlington, Vermont. I'm here with Ken Reed, and, um, you know, there's a lot of time to kill during the day. <laughs> and he mentioned something about his podcast, how he's going to record someone. And I said, do you have your equipment with you? And he said, yes. I said, why don't we burn out an episode? So yeah. in Burlington, Vermont, in a hotel room, looking at a, a, a view of a venue that I wish I was playing because it's bigger and I'd be making more money. <laughs> Talking about the Trattoria Delilah? <laughs> yeah, but we're, uh, but we're at the Vermont Comedy Club this weekend. It's too late to see us, but it's a great club. Anyway, um, so you, where did you grow up again? I grew up in Melrose, mostly, which is... Where is that? Uh, it's, what, eight miles north of Boston? It gets name-checked in Gone Baby Gone because uh, the the scumbag mother, uh-huh. goes, uh, they're like, oh, where'd she move? She goes, she sold a unit and moved to Fancy Pants Melrose. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, woohoo. I didn't, uh, I don't think I saw it. Did I see Gone Baby Gone? It's the most accurate depiction of Boston I've ever seen on film. Is it really? Yeah. What is the, I don't even know what that movie's about. It's uh, a kid gets kidnapped and uh, <laughs> this private detective gets hired to try and find the kid. It's the really basic plot of it, but it's actually pretty good. A good movie? But there's just some real Boston scumbags in there, like Coke dealers who are like, give me the fucking whizza. What's the wizard? Coke. Oh, really? <laughs> called Wizza. I'm, and I hadn't, I hadn't remembered that people called it Wizza when I was growing up. Until I'd never that. heard of that. Yeah. I'm not a Coke guy. No, but, uh... Not either, but I... Hearing that a lot. That only works with the Boston accent. Oh, yeah. I mean, Wizard is funny. To call it Wizard is funny, but to call it Wizza. Yeah. That's funny. Let's go get some fucking Wizza. I'm sure you've done shows with Boston comedians who got paid in Wizza. <laughs> you know, there was a time where that was pretty, uh, that was a talked about thing where. That you could get paid in Wizza? Yeah. Yeah. Like it never, never cross paths with that myself but i'd always heard things about people getting paid in in coke yeah that's what i've always heard um from boston people tony do you know tony v yeah tony v and bobcat goldthwaite used to take whiteout to shows uh-huh. and they would put lines of whiteout on top of things in the green room like on top of the tv and stuff, oh yeah uh that looked like lines of coke just because they would watch who came in and just like kept looking at it and started sweating and stuff be like is that yours and be like, oh that's, that's funny whiteout. that's a funny uh way to taunt cokeheads yeah so where, where was the first place you went on stage? First place I went on stage was in London. London, England? England? Yeah. Yeah. Did I know that? I think so. How I don't did, know why you remember it. How did that happen? Uh, I moved over there. I went to school there. I transferred schools my last year and went to school over there. Of college or yeah, university? College. Yeah, university. Went to Goldsmiths University uh, in Southeast London. How did you end up there? They had a, I went to Northeastern University in Boston. They had like a, some sort of weird relationship with Goldsmiths where you could go to Goldsmiths but still graduate from Northeastern. Like your credits counted uh-huh. Northeastern. So I just was like, I got to get out of here. And I just went there. Didn't know anyone, just went there and finished school there. And what would you study? Uh, visual communications, cinema studies, and journalism. Is that three majors or is it just one dual, of those? I had a dual major. In visual studies? Visual stu- communications, TV, radio, uh, cinema studies, which they bundled all together, and uh-huh. journalism. Wow. Of which I've used none. So were you ever thinking of being a journalist? Yeah, I was. I wanted to do film criticism and that sort of stuff. Seriously? Yeah. Like Roger Ebert kind of stuff? Yeah. <laughs> be like Rex Reed. Because I was asking you earlier if you ever ever written an Amazon review and you said a couple of times you have. Yeah. I don't know how I feel. It seems like reviewing is such a weird. It's taken on a context of always being negative now. Yeah. But 
to me, like good criticism, just like I always think of good, like rock journalism, like Kurt Loder is like one of the best rock uh-huh. where it's just like, I read a review of that, that, uh, record. I don't really know what it's about, but now I want to listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like that kind of thing. They and, paint a picture of it. Yeah. And once you do listen to it, if you go back and read the review, it like makes more sense and is interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, just the, uh. Just the review, just the idea of writing a negative review, I never understood. If you're just like a lay person, yeah, like what? What is your opinion? I don't want, want to scare you. It's just I don't, I don't get it. Well, but, Amazon reviews, those negative ones too, are usually almost never about the actual product. It's like when this arrived, my wife left me. Right? Yeah, I was pissed. Like, like Yelp what? reviews, where it's like, oh, it's not about the food. It's about they didn't seat you the way you wanted yeah. to be seated. And everybody hates you. <laughs> did you ever actually write film criticism? I did. I wrote, I used to write movie reviews and stuff for um, MTV, had a website called Next Movie for a while. And then I wrote for, um, I worked at WFNX, which was like a local alt rock station in Boston. Uh-huh. And I used to write the, like the entertainment stuff for the morning news there. And then I wrote, and and for one summer I wrote uh, reviews of adult videos. For, really? Uh, for a website because they paid like a hundred dollars a review, and I didn't even watch the movies. No, you just. Kidding. I would just. I would literally look at the box and write the review. Wow. How long? The, well, I watched the the first one I did. I watched and I wrote it like a film review. Yeah. And I was literally like, oh, this actress has a clear a flair for comedy and like the storyline. And the uh, the editor sent me an email. was like, just read who fucks and how. And I was like, okay. How did you get that job? I How can I get that? No, how did you get <laughs> yeah. that job? Let me put, I'll keep with the guy. I was writing a horror movie and like um, exploitation movie reviews for this magazine called Scream. Uh-huh. And um, it, they, I had written a um, review of like an old, like a TNA movie from the 70s. And this guy also ran this other site and was like, do you want to write these? These actually pay. Like, huh. hundred bucks a review seems pretty good. Yeah. How many and, words are we looking at? Oh, like... Uh, 200 oh that's pretty doable yeah or less it was uh yeah this was the golden age of the dot-com bubble when there was a lot of money 100 yeah you could you could do five you write five pornos a a week yeah i guess you'd have to actually watch that though yeah he did eventually catch on that i wasn't watching yeah yeah um but i'm also like who reads a review before they buy pornography right it's just like Right. This is what I like. I'm just going to, but they're not like, let me do my research first. I want to make sure I'm Yeah, I don't want to be ripped off. <laughs> um, so your podcast, I've done it. Mm-hmm. What's, I forgot what it's called. Something TV, TV guidance council, TV guidance council. That's right. Now, for those of you who don't know about it, you own almost every episode, every edition of TV guide. Pretty much from like mid sixties till about the year 2000. Every copy of it. Pretty much. Yeah. Like ninety five percent of them. Yeah, I'd say so. Wow! And where and uh, so what do you do? Is you have people? Was it you pick a week and then? Yep, they pick an old issue and then they write down what they would watch that week or what they want to watch that week. And right. They basically, hand me the TV guide. They have their list and then we just like talk about what's in there. I don't remember which ones I did. Do you? you? Did I do? I remember Love Boat was discussed. Really? Uh, yeah. It was. I think it was like late seventies, early eighties. Uh huh. Went like seventy nine, eighty, somewhere around there. Um, yeah. That's all I recall. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if I had a Y five O in there. Hawaii Five O was definitely mentioned. Really? Yeah. Did your dad used to watch that? I think. No, I used to watch that. There was something that you used to watch with your dad. I'm remembering. Huh. I don't remember what it was. But you've had some pretty impressive guests on there, right? Yeah, I mean, in addition to yourself. No, uh, I don't mean I wasn't. That, was, that sound <laughs> came out wrong. Um, no, yeah, there's people I cannot believe. Like I had Ted Danson on, and really, I, um, Elvira did one, and uh, the Bandivo, <laughs> the Damned. Uh, who Billy West has done a bunch. Um, what's of a hand on that was people who I think are big guests, like don't seem to like I had Steve Albini on uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like, I got Steve Albini and most people are like, I don't know who that is. And right. I, like, I mean, it, in a certain world, he's, yeah. I know who he is. I try um, to give people who like, don't do a lot of podcasts too, like bands and stuff talking about old TV. Like I had Veruca Salt on and they were talking about how much they loved the Brady Bunch and one of them bought a house from one of the Brady Bunch writers just because he was a writer for that show. <laughs> like that wouldn't come up in an interview normally. Right. And I, they probably, it's nice, probably nice change from just talking about their music or whatever. Yeah. Like that's, I think that's why a lot of people say they'll do it because they, they get tired of having stock answers. Like Amy Sedaris did it. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And she was like, I just get tired. Like interviewers get mad when you give the same answers you've given before, but I'm like, that's the answer to that question. Exactly. And <laughs> like, you're asking well, the same question yeah, at that interview. Yeah. And it's weird. I've been getting 
um, some like regular PR people have put me in like press junket things for some weird reason. And I realize now how awful those things are for people. Like I did one with Cindy Lauper and all these people were asking questions where they hadn't listened to any of the other questions, would ask a question was already asked, not listen to her answer, follow up with a question that was like, if you had listened to what she said, you would not follow up. Right. It's awful. I was like, what? Like, it's just, we have this next question in line and it's not a real conversation. Yeah. It was like, you did no research. It was just like, you get paid. Why were you with Cindy Lauper? And I'm confused. Um, I, there's a, people contact me sometimes to do the show. Uh And so like some of their PR people. And so this one PR company, had uh, Dolly Parton wanted to do the show. Really? Oh, she'd and, be um, great. I still haven't had time to like had time in her schedule. There's two people who have who they asked me to do the show and were like, "Here's my people set it up." I don't know what my schedule is. Her and Stephen King, and so like every couple months, I have to email like their person, and be like, "Do they have time now?" And they're like, "No." Is this someone who, on behalf of them, is trying to get them out, or does uh, Dolly Parton say, "I want to li- do this"? From what her assistant emailed me it was uh-huh. her that said she wanted to do it stephen king i messaged directly he messaged me message um, you on, on facebook really <laughs> i was like here's my assistant set this up um and so like every quarter i have to check his schedule with her um because i'm like i'll drive up to maine but um yeah so the but so the guy who was dolly parton's pr person also was the pr person for cindy lopper so he was like she's gonna do a record coming out you want to be in this press junket thing because i was just i'm just like on their list now of like so you just kind of followed around, but you didn't do anything? It was like a, we have a room full of journalists asking questions, and you're like in the room, basically. And but you didn't ask any questions. I did ask one question, because her, her record is this record of um, rockabilly covers uh-huh. of women rock uh, artists from the 50s and 60s. And I was like, uh, I asked a question about how interesting it was that, you know, you had in the early days of rock and roll women writing and performing rock music, and you didn't really get that again until she started, like 25 years later. Mm-hmm. And how weird that was that there was that gap, and is that why she felt a kinship to that? And she was like, "Yeah, so much." And I'm like, "Isn't that like the most obvious question that and no one's asked this right. before?" Um, so yeah, it was just it was very disheartening. I saw Cindy Lauper with the Bangles opening up, like nice. in the '80s. That's in, a good in Florida. Show. Yeah, that's a really good show. Yeah, the Bengals are great. Yeah, that was a good that was super fun and uh like a good a good pairing. And uh so uh so you're going to try to have she done your podcast or I hope to get her at some point. Like I'm there's a bunch of people who are just super busy and I try to get them every time they come through Boston. Do you always do it in person or I there's a few I've done like via Skype um just cuz the I just the person didn't have time. Uh-huh. Um but uh I would say 95% of them are in person. How did you score Ted Danson? He's buddies with Jonathan Katz. Oh, he is? Um, because Katz produced a show that he did called Inc. that he was on. And I was going to do a lot. The Ride LA Festival asked me to do a live one. And I was like, I need good guests because no one's going to come see me. <laughs> so I asked him and he said he'd do it. And I had Shelly Long, who was also going to do it with him. And they haven't done an interview together in like wow. 30 years. And then he got cast in Fargo and couldn't do it like quickly and he was like i'm so sorry i owe you i'm like well, what are you talking about you're doing mm-hmm. my free thing and then shelly Long didn't want to do it by herself but so after that he was like i owe you an episode and i didn't do one so so you did it yeah so he did it where'd you do it um that i did on skype because he was in uh he was at his house in la how long um did you have him on an hour and a half really yeah wow that's cool man and he's super humble ridiculously nice like just really like self-deprecating and then you kind of want to go to that house though man? yeah i kind of did yeah you've done some at like uh yeah famous uh, people's houses yeah right? that's whenever i go to la like a couple times a year i try to bank a bunch so yeah a lot of people have gone to their house let's hear some houses uh i went to rose mcgowan's house uh now is it there is her house i mean you were talking about this the other day yesterday we were talking about her house is it is it like didn't she used to go out with marilyn manson yeah, yeah. is it is it that kind of like very f- no, over was, the top? Uh, it was very tasteful. It was very like mid-century modern. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of like art and stuff, but it was like very well curated um, and like some cool vintage Hollywood stuff. Oh, she, man. Yeah. Um, her house was, was fun. I've been to like Lorraine Newman's house, which was crazy because I, as like an SNL nerd, yeah. I've read about, she was the only SNL cast member from LA. So like whenever they'd be in LA, they'd be at her house. So all these infamous and famous stories of those people in the books I've read take place in that house. Has she had the same house? She had the same house. Yeah. She does. She sold it recently, but when I did the episode, she was in that house. 
Um, so that she's was nice. Cool. I've met her. Oh a couple yeah, times. she's a sweetheart, and she's a huge comedy nerd. Like yeah, she, um, her daughter she, was working in comedy in New York. Yeah, I think she might still help be producing shows or writing. something. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to ask you if there's anyone who's been a jerk to you, but I don't want to <laughs> trash talk any actual person. Although I completely do want yeah. to. Very few people. I, I'm surprised how one person who was difficult was um, the guy who played Mike TV in uh, in um, Willy Wonka. Really? And, uh, I've heard that about him. No, yeah, I just made Paris Demon. But he was like whenever I interview someone, I kind of want to talk about stuff they don't talk about very uh -huh. often. Not like probing like personal questions, but like work. They don't really get to discuss that much. And he always clearly talks about Willy Wonka and he was complaining about it. So I was taught he was in the Fantastics when he was a kid on Broadway with Hal Linden. Uh -huh. So I'm asking him about that. And he's like, why are you asking me this? And the only thing people want to hear about is Willy Wonka. And I'm like, yeah, but wouldn't you, this is a cool thing. Right. Uh, I was kind of like, he's a little uh, cranky. He's a little cranky. Um, and uh, the only person who ever walked out on an interview on me is, is Captain Sensible from the Damned. who are my favorite bands. What happened with him? I think he's just super ADD'd. And he got bored, even though he wanted to do, do the interview. And so it was like 10 minutes in. And uh, his whole angle was like, I hate TV. and never watch it. So I'm like, that's interesting. Let's talk yeah. about why. And uh, in the show that night on stage, he had referenced a bunch of shows. Like he was referencing all these 70s sci-fi um, British shows, like The Prisoner uh -huh. and stuff. So I was like, oh, you know, you referenced those shows. Did you watch those when you were a kid? And he goes, I'm terminating the interview. <laughs> Just like walked out. Terminating. Terminating wow, that's... the interview. Yeah, but then I ended up getting an interview with Dave, the singer who never does interviews. Because uh -huh. I was like, well, I can't use this. I'll just ask Dave. They're, and before they were like, he's really aloof. He doesn't do interviews. You can't get Dave. And he was just sitting there. And I'm like, can I talk to him at all TV? He's like, absolutely. And talked to him for like an hour. <laughs> it was way better. That's weird. Um, yeah, because I wonder if sometimes like maybe older, not that the guy from The Damned is super old or anything. They might not grasp the concept of what a podcast is. Yeah. Or a theme to podcast. Yeah. But like Bob Newhart did not understand what a podcast was. Did you do it? Do you have uh, I was I had to deal with his um, manager guy who just couldn't understand what it was, so it never happened. And then my fa my two favorite rejection emails I ever got uh -huh. was I emailed Joan Collins because uh -huh. <laughs> I'm like, why not? And I got an email back from her purporting to be her. I mean, it could have been her assistant or something that said, um, this sounds like publicity for publicity's sake. And Dame Collins does not do such things. Wow, why not just not write back? I know, like, which is what I assume most people. That's fine. Like, don't you know? Now, what What does that mean? Publicity for publicity's sake. Like, it's not promoting a certain thing. That's oh. a lot. Older people, if they're not promoting something specific, they don't understand why you want to interview them. Like Vanna White was one, who's a sweetheart, very nice, but she's like, I don't really have anything to promote. I'm like, yeah, but it would just be interesting to hear you talk about. She said there. no, Vanna White. Yeah. Um, see, that's an. See, I'd be curious. Like, what's it like to be Vanna White? Yeah, is she still doing that show? Yeah. So she's been doing that for what? Thirty-five years. Oh my god. That's why I'm like, that's what's interesting. Like people like, who don't. Get obvious questions I'd have for her was like, which I would never ask is, how much do you make a year? Yeah. <laughs> do you? I mean, then she's got to say, you want to ask, does that boring after like? 20 years of, of yeah. turning the letters. You're just on autopilot at this point. Uh, but she, they tried to make her a movie star for a while. She was in a bunch of movies and because she was such a huge popular person. From what a weird, show. like long-term career that must be. That is, it's highly unusual too. How did you get Joan Collins, an email for Joan Collins? I, I, well, two things. One, I just, from doing the show, I made like a lot of contacts and people who, uh -huh. I, you know, friend of a friend will have something. But then I also, I wanted to be a private detective for a while. When I was oh, really? High school. And I, uh, so I took, actually took classes. And so I can hunt down like information about most people, which sounds creepy. Well, it depends on how you use it. But yeah. how did, so how did, can you tell me how you hunted down her email address? I'm trying to remember. Um, like, where would that be? That's not like going to be online. Or no, anything. I think I found her manager and then I traced it back from there somehow but i don't remember how sometimes it's guessing too like if someone has a website mm -hmm. but they don't have emails on oh it, like you can kind of guess what they're like if their name are. bill johnson you do yeah. bill at bill johnson yeah so sometimes you just throw it out there um and then I, my favorite rejection i got is from albert brooks's manager uh-huh herb uh who <laughs> just wrote back this won't happen herb <laughs> that was the whole response i was like all right He's straight up with me. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's, yeah, that's, you know, it could be a little warmer, but it's also, you know, it, yeah. he wrote back and he. Yeah, totally. Most people are really nice. And for the most part, 
if I have to go through like a manager or something, it almost never happens. But if I can get to person directly, I almost always get them. Um, but some of the managers, like Barbara Streisand's manager, super nice. Really? Like really long email back. Like I listened to this show and I loved it. What a great concept. That's a great thing. Good luck to you. She's too busy, but you know, this is great. <laughs> like that. That's kinda, nice. Yeah. Um, I'm like, there's no need for that. Did, uh, <clears throat> So Barbara Streisand's manager was already a fan of your podcast? Or no, or like I listen? sent the pitch thing to him, like, this is the show, and this is who I've had yeah. on. And um, so he was like, I checked this out. I listened to one episode. I really enjoyed it. And blow it like a whole big thing. Um, and the same with Bette Midler's manager. <laughs> really? So it was like, that's nice. Like, he could just ignore that. Weird Al posted a, uh, I forgot who it was. God, oh, what's this guy's name? British singer. Fuck. Current? Maybe a couple of years ago, um, James something. Maybe it's not James. I don't know. But he posted like, because, you know, Al always requests permission to right. do the parodies, even though he doesn't have to. Right. And they're like, he will, this will never, ever happen. Like, just this real yeah. harsh, unnecessary, like, it's fuck, it's weird Al Yankov. He's not yeah. like a jerk. He's like a nice guy who's yeah. writing a funny thing. And it's like... uh Especially if you're being cordial, like I'm always professional and cordial and I explain right. what it is, um, you know, and I don't, I never follow. I'm not like, hey, I haven't heard from you, what the, you know, like, which a lot of people do. Right. Because I'm like, I sent them one message if they want to do it. Yeah. And I think the follow up thing is always, uh, yeah. sometimes people write follow ups are just like, hey, I'm following up on, on the thing you mailed me yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. That you ignored for, like, I assume that they're either busy or didn't want right. to write back. Um, I'm curious about this detective thing now. Yeah. I was, I had, I, I don't know what I was thinking there. I was like, oh, I'll be a private detective. I thought about like, wouldn't it be great to like, you know, maybe if there was someone who bullied you in high school or something and you just want to, I want to know everything about that, what that person's doing now. You can sort of find them on a Facebook. Yeah, but I have, I have, uh, I, I have done things to people from high school who are dickheads based really? on finding their, their uh, information. Yeah. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah, I could, sure. I could mention it. I like, uh, you don't have to mention the name obviously. No, no. But this kid was, a, I mean, this kid was a bad person and I, um, it, they don't do this anymore, but they used to, when a business would declare bankruptcy, there used to be a business section of the newspaper that was basically like business obits uh -huh. and they would publish their tax ID number like like a basically social security number for a business uh -huh. and uh pre sort of internet being what it is today there would be like a two or three day window where the tax id would still be active so you could if you had someone's social security number you could call and put a lien on them from this business <laughs> and so this kid i put like thousands of dollars in liens on his credit from like pets.com or like whatever. This what do you mean? Is. I don't understand how you did that. So you basically call the credit reporting companies and you're like, I'm from this company. Here's our tax ID. This person owes us this amount of money. And then they put it on their like credit report. And then that company goes out of business and this person would have no idea it's on there until they go try to get a loan or something. That's got to be illegal. Oh, it's highly illegal. Yeah. I was wow, like 19. That, that, you seem like a nice guy. That's a very, that seems a little evil for That's you. evil. Yeah. Yeah. Although I, only people who, it only did to one kid and he was very deserving of it. Really? Yeah. How did you even think that, like it, I wouldn't even occur to me that you could do that? I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> like, how did you know that there was this window of opportunity where... I don't, I don't even know. I just figured there'd be like a lag for some reason. Um, I was like, oh, maybe I'll call and see if I can. I was a very bored yeah. teenager. How long did the detective phase last? Um, I think I took like maybe six months of like, oh, I'll do training stuff. And I was like, I don't want to do this. Because most, most of the private detective work is like you're literally like, yeah, that guy's not really injured. You lifted a thing. I'm sitting in right, a car then, watching them all. Right. Day. You video, yeah. you film them. Yeah. Videotape. Or like them. people cheating on their wife or something. Right. Yeah. And I think I had like, a, I'm a big like crime fiction fan and I was reading like a ton of Jim Thompson books. And I read one Jim good. Thompson book. I forgot Killer which one. Inside Me? Possibly. Yeah. After Dark My Sweet's good. The Grifters. It may have been After Dark My Sweet. I like that book. I don't remember which one I read. They're but boring. I remember I lent it to, I think, Jeff Ross. And he never returned it. He seems like he'd be into Jim Townsend. I don't know how I ended up lending a book to Jeff Ross, but uh, I think I did. And if I, <laughs> Jeff, if I got the story wrong, I apologize to you. Don't worry about the book. This is going to be on Sidesporter. It's been a while. Todd Berry accuses Jeff Ross of stealing book, book. Book theft from 18, 9, 25 <laughs> years ago. So how many episodes of your podcast have you done? Almost 300. What's the most you've ever done in a day? Uh, five. Seriously? Yeah. When I go to LA, I book like 
a madman and I'll book like three or four a day. I've done a couple in a day and it's it's too much. I'm worn out after, but I I just like doing it so much. You do? Okay. Well, that's that it kind of goes by quickly. And it's people that I really want to meet and talk to. Like one Uh of the things I always say about it is it's a lot of it's either old friends who I haven't had a chance to sit down and just like talk to for an hour uh-huh. or people I always wanted to read an autobiography of that don't have one. So I'm just going to go get it. Right. <laughs> I'm just going to personally get it. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Are, who are your dream guests? Uh, Bonnie Hunt is a huge one. Love her. Have you gotten through to her? Um, I, I, she's really hard to get in touch with. I don't know why. Um, so I haven't gotten through to her. Uh-huh. Uh, Bonnie Hunt's dream guest, John Waters. Who I, uh, I hear he seems like he's really nice. Yeah, a super nice guy. He's a guy that I've emailed with, and um, he just never has time. He's really busy. Um, Stephen King would be amazing. Um, so there's people I've been close, but just haven't been able to either find time or just they're they're like unattainably right get in contact with them. Have you had repeat guests? Uh, yeah, I had Billy West on a couple times. Who I don't even know who that is. He was a Boston comic, but he does all the voices on Futurama. He was okay. and Stimpy. He was on Stern forever. Okay. I probably do know who he is. Yeah. He's a fascinating guy. Yeah. What, um, hmm. So you, you do everything yourself or do you have yeah. a, no, a book or anything? Yeah. Me, well, I mean, I, I, I get help from my, the people who produce it, but I don't have like a book or anything. Yeah. I feel like it's, I feel like one of the only reasons I get anyone on the show is because I'm like, it's just me. Right. I'm not if, making any money off it. It's just this thing. Do you have ads? No. I, I lose probably $25 a week on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, you're going to need more than that to get sympathy, though. I yeah, think you need it's to, not a lot. It's, you need to fluff up that story. Yeah, uh, $2,500 a week. <laughs> so how many, how much uh, are you, you've lived in Boston your whole life. Have you ever, you think of moving to L.A. now? I would move to L.A. in a heartbeat. I yeah? just need to, uh, either me or my wife needs a job. Like I can't, I, like I feel like the, the thing that bothers me about it is if we were in dire straits, it'd be easier to move. Like Why is if that? If I was in like futon, futon sleeping world, uh-huh. I'd be like, yeah, I just go, I got nothing to lose. But I'm like, my family is such a nightmare of screw ups that I'm, I always say I'm the white sheep in my family. So uh-huh. I'm like the only oh, one funny. who, who is remotely stable. And, um, so I'm like, I got to do it smart. I don't want to just, but it's at the same time, it kind of robs me of, I, I love it in LA. Do you have money banked? No. No? Very little. Like not enough to move. Retirement fund? Uh, I have, I do have a 401k. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get, get real interesting yeah. now. I actually have a 403b, <laughs> which is a nonprofit 401k. Seriously? <clears throat> yeah. Cause I've worked for Medicaid companies for like 12 years. Oh, that's you do that now, right? Yeah. Am I allowed to reveal that? You can reveal that. Okay. I forgot what you work for like you process claims or something. No, I, I was doing speaking of private detective work. I was doing fraud and abuse investigations oh. for a long time. So it's like mining data and looking for weird patterns and getting doctors arrested for selling drugs. Seriously. Oh yeah. I've always been curious when a doctor gets in trouble because it's just like, do you really want, isn't it kind of, aren't you kind of have a good job already? Like That's why do you I want to risk? Think. Now yeah. you're going to go to prison. You're going to be a drug dealer. But a lot of them, I think either have drug problems. A lot of them have gambling debts. And a lot of them just are like, um, I'm trying to think of a non-racist way to say this. I've found a lot of doctors who have come from foreign countries that we've gotten arrested when they've gone to trial have had this attitude like, fuck all you people, you're stupid. So I'm just going to take every dime I can from everyone here in America. Oh, I see. And they have like this weird attitude of, um, they're not, you know, they're just basically taking money from a bunch of, bunch of jerks. And you've helped get these guys arrested? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, wh- how, t- walk me through that. So if we we either have, like, a, a member would call and say something's weird, um, which is, like, the easiest way, and then you start looking at their, like, claims history and stuff, or you'll see, like, weird patterns, like they're prescribing, like a like an ER doctor prescribing um, um, Suboxone, which is, like, a, an anti-opioid drug. Like, you would ne- that would never... There's no reason for them to prescribe that. Why is uh, that? Because it's like a maintenance drug. It's not like a. It's not like a you overdosed. Uh huh. It's like a. It's like a like methadone or something. So it'd be a weird thing for them, huh. or like a like an OBGYN giving someone Suboxone, or a dentist or something. So then we're like, that's weird. So then you look at all their their pattern and see if it's odd, and then you request medical records because they have to have medical records that back up every single claim they've ever wow. made, and then you can look and see if stuff adds up, and if it doesn't, you do you work for? 
Medicaid or do you work for a particular insurance I work for company? a particular company that has a big Medicaid uh, business. That I've always been curious, like, can you go to a podiatrist and let's say you had a podiatrist friend and say, I want Adderall. Can they give you Adderall or something? Podiatrists couldn't because they're not they're, a medical doctor. They're not a medical doctor. Yeah, right? Podiatrists okay. and chiropractors are not medical All right, bad doctors. example. But but you could. So say, say your friend is like a psychiatrist who's a medical doctor. They could. Well, they, that's that's a psychiatric drug, but could like a but like he could write any, cardiologist, right? Yeah. They can write any any prescription for any drug. Really? But we also would like self-dealing. So like if you have doctors writing prescriptions to themselves or like their family, that happens. What is that? And then do they, is that, are they selling them under the, over the counter or under, yeah, under the table or whatever? Them. Yeah, they usually sell them. Or a lot of times, a lot of them, and this is usually for substance abuse stuff, they'll make the member pay cash and then they'll also bill the insurance plan because the member it has a drug problem and they need their drugs. Every right. Day. So, so they're, basically, they're not going to complain. Yeah. And the person basically goes, well, I'm not going to give it to you unless you give me 60 bucks. Right. And which is such a weird shitty thing to do. Right. To abuse someone who's already, uh, yeah. Yeah. Abusing themselves. There's a lot of that or like billing for stuff that never happened. That happens a lot. Yeah. It would seem like a thing where, um, yeah, where you'd have to, if you wanted to pull it off, you'd have to just do it in a way where you have to show some self-control and not be like, Right. I wrote yeah. this guy 15 prescriptions in oh, yeah. two months. A lot of them, too, will have, like, they'll basically set up, like, a computer program to build, like, a pattern, uh -huh. which is stupid. But they're like, yeah, I build this uh, guy, comes into the office three times a week, every week. And then, like, the guy will be dead and will get bills because they just have this automated billing thing. Right. Billing. Um, so that happens, too, like, a lot of stuff for deceased people that is clearly not something that they're getting. That's where when they say medical costs are high, all the fraud is on the doctor's side. <laughs> it's very rare that it's member fraud that's doing it. Huh. That's interesting. We do have like, there are drug seeking members. So like, you know, we'll, we'll see if someone went to like four different ERs in the same day to get pain meds. Um, you know, we'll find that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But those people, I mean, we try to get them in a program. Like we've had people who will like burn themselves. And go to the ER, different ERs to keep getting like painkillers. Oh, why didn't I ever know? That just <laughs> seems like a real obvious thing to do. I mean, yeah. not an, and obviously not a, like oh, that's a great idea, but I, yeah. an obvious thing that I would think someone would do. Yeah. Did um, so so you just get to work and there's like this stack of requests or something or yeah, well like yeah, I'll, I'll look at yeah, they'll usually be like a stack of like here's a bunch of stuff that got reported. That or, sounds almost fun. It kind of is. And I kind of like I've worked other jobs where I'm like, I don't care if people buy this garbage or whatever it mm -hmm. is. But I'm like, all right, this is taxpayer dollars. It's helping people that need this service yeah. and people who are doing something wrong and we're looking for them and finding them. So I'm kind of like, eh, if I'm yeah. going to have a day job, you know, there are worse things to do. Do you have to wear a tie or anything? No, I work from home a lot. Do you really? Yeah, because I'm just reading contracts and, and data. Uh, how long have you been doing this? Um, I've been working for this company for like 11 years, but I've been doing this kind of stuff for like six years. Oh, you did something else for them? Yeah, I actually got, I worked, I was working in their marketing department uh -huh. and I wrote all like, when you sign up for health insurance, you get that handbook and all that stuff. Uh -huh. So I wrote all that stuff. Oh, really? One day they're like, so you know everything that's covered, right? I'm like, I guess I put it and they're like, all right, you're in charge of that now. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like a really weird. That's great that you can work from home. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. Does it make you lazier? Does it make you? Uh... I get more work done and I end up working a longer day. So like I'll log on it like when I wake up and then, you know, I'll be on it like 630 in the morning. That's when you wake up? Yeah, I get up at like 5.30. Do you really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't sleep that much. And then we have two dogs and they get up at the same time every day. So it's like... Didn't you... So no matter when you go to sleep, you wake up at 5.30? Yeah. Does your wife wake up that early? Yeah. Else? She... she uh, Yeah, she's... I'm not a morning person, but she has more trouble getting out of bed. But yeah, we get up at that time. How can you say you're not a morning person when you wake up at 5.30? That's true. I'm not like, come on, let's make bread and go uh -huh. jogging. But I'm not like, I need an hour to kind of come back to life 5 30 in the morning yeah wow i used to be able to do like a weekday schedule and a weekend schedule but once i hit like 30 it was like no this is what time you get up every day it's like if you go to bed at 2 in the morning you're up at 5 30 if you go to bed at 5 30 at night you're up and at you're pretty consistent with that yeah i just that's when i wake up and i'm like the kind of person who i'll have trouble falling asleep but once i'm asleep i'm asleep until i wake up like i don't get up and go back and See, I've, I've met other people like that who are like, I just pop up at six o'clock in the morning every day. 
And it just seems, I get sort of the biological and the sleep cycle thing, but it seems like if you go to bed at three, you might want to sleep till nine. Oh, I'd want to sleep till nine. <laughs> You're just like, so do you take naps? Up. No, I've never been able to take naps. Wow. And I worked in radio on the morning show. I had to be there at like three 30 in the morning and I got out at 10 in the morning uh-huh. and, I, and people were like, that's great. Then you don't, I'm like, yeah, but I can't nap. Right. You're too it's, amped from the day. Yeah, or... I was just like, I could never do it. So I was like, it sucks. Damn. Um, don't you, now you mentioned, didn't you say you and your wife eat like a whole pizza and watch a movie every night? Or oh, yeah, every, that, every Friday. Every Friday. Every okay. night. Yeah. I was gonna, all right. As I was asking. I'm was 700 like, pounds. That, I was like, yeah. Every Friday. So every what, Friday night. We'll do like pizza double feature. What does that mean? So we'll, I mean, I guess it's pretty obvious. Yeah. What that we'll means. get, well, I'll like do two movies and we'll get a pizza. Um, but didn't you say, I thought it was this insane amount of pizza. We'll each, we'll get two pizzas. Two pizzas. Yeah. So it's <laughs> one pizza each. <laughs> what, how many inches are we looking at here? Uh, total, you know, you're probably looking at two 16 inch pizzas. So really? 32 inches of pizza. Cause you and I split a 14 inch pizza last night. Yeah. I haven't had a, like a whole pizza. I haven't, can't remember last time I ordered a whole pizza. Oh, I'm like, that's like how I eat pizza. It was good though. That was by, good. By the pizza. Burlington has some good pizza. They do have good pizzas. It was a wonderful crust. Um, so that, see, I feel like. I, I don't know. I've very rarely watched two movies and I can sit through like, Oh, let's watch another house of cards. Yeah. We do that more or, it's or like, project runway or something. Yeah. It's less, it's less strictly two movies now because we've been doing it forever. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, yeah. And sometimes we'll just like marathon a TV show or something, but it's like a total Friday night unwind ritual. Do you ever, um, does that, do you ever either go, does that either one of you ever go, can we do something else on a Friday? Yeah, sometimes we do. We'll go out or something. Right. So it's not or like a show or something. It's not overly rigid. Yeah, like I definitely don't turn things down. Like if right. someone offers me a gig, I'm not like Yeah, like I that's pizza to, night. Yeah, I cannot do that's that. That's pizza double feature night. Sorry, yeah. I can't play Carnegie Hall. Yeah. Do you tour a lot? I know you tour with me sometimes. Sometimes with you. Uh not as much. I it, like I do go out to LA a couple times a year. Um and then I'll do like New England shows, but I turn down a lot of stuff. What really? Yeah. <laughs> what do you turn down? Like just shitty like vfw type like one-nighters and stuff i turned down a lot and everyone thinks i'm crazy because but i'm just like I'm, I'm not gonna get anything out of that just just regionally regionally yeah some if someone sometimes people i don't turn down stuff like if someone wants me to come down to like they'll fly they're flying me down to dc to headline a show yeah yeah i, I do that stuff but um yeah regional stuff i'm like i don't, don't want to do that <laughs> got a tour with your podcast yeah i'd like to i'm doing it they they have me do them at comic conventions a lot, yeah, which is weird. I've been doing festivals and stuff. I've never been to a comic convention. I mean, I guess it makes sense because I don't really l- read comics, but I, I feel like some of the stuff I've done, oh, totally crosses would. paths yeah. with that. They're weird demographic. They're, they're weird. weird, yeah, because yeah, they're, like, they're not exclusively comics anymore. And I've been going to them since I was six, mm-hmm. and uh, around the early two thousands, they changed significantly. Like women never went. People never wore costumes. It was like literally where you would go to buy cheap comic books. And there was like hardly any kids there. Yeah. And uh, now it's like a whole, you know, it's like a carnival. And they have the celebrities go. Part of it, the people who used to go, it was like a human zoo where it would be kind of sad. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, now it's like actual big current celebrities will go because they make a ton of money off them. Have you ever won one of these autograph shows? Yeah, that's that these conventions will have them as part of the they'll have an autograph show as part of the convention. But have you done one? Because someone was telling me about one where that's sort of like the real people who haven't worked as much lately. A lot of them. Are, I did one two weeks ago in an abandoned J.C. Penney, um, and I did a panel with a guy from Lost in Space who got into an argument with Adam West during his panel. Oh, really? <laughs> yep. About what? Um, Adam West was like across from the stage and. Uh, this guy was on a show called The Detectives in the 60s. Uh-huh. And Adam West was on the third season of that show. And I'm like, yeah. And then you were on the show, The Detectives. It's a great show until West came on in the third season and ruined it. And oh, my God. And then he's God. like, I made that show better. And then he's like, you ruined Lost in Space because they were on opposite each other on different networks. Holy he's shit. Like, we had a good sci-fi show. And then we had to make our show for kids because you're dumb, campy nonsense. We had to compete. And he's like, we won in the ring. And it became this like, oh my weird, God. like two 80-year-old men. Where was this? It was in an abandoned JCPenney on the South Shore in Massachusetts. Wow. Yeah. Um, what were you on the panel for? I was running the panel. So like a lot of times I'll run Q and a panels at these conventions. 
because they have awful moderators usually who like don't know or it's basically like the chris farley show yeah <laughs> so i'm like just get someone who does five minutes of research and knows how to keep things moving wow i wonder what those guys like what does adam west get for not that much anymore one there's a video i did stand up at a at a convention once and a friend of mine took a video of it because while i was doing stand-up adam west had thrown his back out so taking him out on a stretcher and they had the head from the shark from jaws so there's a video of me doing stand-up with the jaws shark goes by and then adam west goes by in a stretcher oh going, my god you gotta my post god that. my back <laughs> like it's the weirdest you gotta thing. post that yeah i think you put it on like instagram or something i'll try to dig it up but um yeah those guys don't make as much but like um some of like the big people from the walking dead they'll make like half a million dollars for a weekend See, I thought some of those people would do it just for just for promotion, just because it's like their stuff's brand new. But some of them do. But but a lot of those conventions, they'll be like the name person that they get everyone to go to the con for. It's got like Adam West has got to be in his eighties, right? Or oh yeah, he's in his late 80s. Like for him to get on a plane and fly to Massachusetts, I don't know where he lives. I assume Los Angeles, but yeah. maybe. But that's kind of like a lot of work. Yeah, some people I know do them because they think they're fun and they're like, oh, I got to meet people and they don't really need to. And then some people, it's like who would who would be an example? Uh, like Olivia Dabo, who I've had on the show, she was um, on the Wonder Years. She's the older. Sister. I never saw the Wonder Years. Um, her her father was in uh, Manfred Mann. And oh wrote, my god! He wrote, um, he wrote uh, "Handbags and Glad Rags," the song from the Office, the UK Office. The he wrote "Build Me a Buttercup." He did he really? Song. Yeah, she's in Conan the Destroyer. Um, Speaking of "Build Me," didn't the Hollies do "Build Me a Buttercup"? Yeah, oh, but he wrote it. Did the Hollies do it? I think so. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't the Hollies. It was it was a band that wasn't Manfred Mann that did it. I'm trying to think if I'm. I don't know if the Hollies did do "Build Me Up, Buttercup." I could look that up. You could look that up. But uh, I saw Graham Nash at CVS a, a couple of months really? ago. Yeah, um, I was walking in CVS, and I saw this dude. And you know the way some people you can just tell some there's famous. Yeah. I go, who's that guy? And then I, I had just read an article about him, how he moved to New York, and he's got a girlfriend here, and she's a painter or something, and his life in New York. I go, I think that's Graham Nash. And then I did the immediate, you know, yep. c confirmation. But I, I left him alone. I didn't go up to him and say, hey, man, what kind of razors you buying? Graham Nash? How do you trim your sideburns? We Pre-smartphone, I was in Boston at this place called the Cambridge Port, which was an awful bar that, like, skinheads hung out at. Uh -huh. They served, um, instead of pretzels, they served uh, potato salad. Ugh. I've never seen anywhere else, but uh, this guy that looked like Judd Nelson got into a cab, and this punk kid that I was with, he was outside smoking, was like, "Hey, two months bender at this guy," and the guy turns around and goes, "Hey, fuck you!" Like he was so mad about it. So I'm like, "Man, that guy was really mad about you saying he looked like Judd Nelson." The next day, I open the paper and there's a review of a play in Boston that Judd Nelson's in. So I'm like, "Oh, that was Judd yeah. Nelson," which is why he was so mad. I had a Judd Nelson encounter, and uh, he came to Catch a Rising Star once when I did a set. He he just said, hey, that was really good. But yeah. uh, what is he doing now? He acts a lot in like a lot of those Lifetime movies and stuff. What was he in? What was his big? Breakfast Club was the big one. Um, but he was also in like, was it One False Move? Or there was some action-y type movies. He was in Relentless and uh, a couple other like of those like crime thriller movies. It's know? weird the way someone could be like, you know, you know, one of the big ones. Yeah. And then you're like, what happened to that person? Well, that's, that's not a deep thing that i just said but but that's one of the things i i've i've encountered doing the show is that all these people i feel bad for them because they're talented great people at what they do but it's hard for them to get work and then for them to get like a civilian job is so hard because they're like here's my resume there's nothing on it for the last 10 years or people know who they are and they're like right. we're not going to hire you as our receptionist you're a movie star so like i also need to make money <laughs> like, i thought i heard a story about someone from happy days working at like a Re avis rental or yeah something. yeah it was it was the woman who played joni she, was it aaron Murray? yeah it was ellen, ellen Murray. yeah well she was working at a yeah at like a it was like an avis rental car wow well the happy days people got fucked did they, they didn't get any money what about winkler did he get fucked he did he made some money on um merchandise later but he also became a director and a producer right and inve reinvested his money so he he was well. like making ninety thousand a week if i recall yeah he was making good money so he could have banked some of that yeah but for reruns and all that stuff the, those people got nothing really yeah that sucks yeah. how did how is it that they got nothing because they didn't because reruns were fairly new. Yeah. Lucy started those in the 60s. And so they, they the contracts they had were basically you get paid for doing the show once. It was like, do you want to play? So they didn't get, there was nothing in the contracts about 
you know, if it goes on video or it goes into syndication yeah. or like that. The people who made the most money are people who had shows in the 80s because they got good syndication deals and syndication was on local stations and stuff like TBS. So they got that was like never need to work again money. Right. It was like a small window. Was it like if he hit 100 episodes, then he go to syndication? Yeah. Then? 65 is the minimum for syndication. Uh -huh. Then you can air the whole series three times in a year. But 100 is like the big one. Damn. I need some of that syndication money. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about your album and then we'll, uh, then I might take a nap. All right. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, your album, you gave me one yesterday. What's it called yep, again? It's called the vanity project volume one, Hollywood land. What really? Yeah. That, Cause I saw all that on the thing and I thought some of that was like decoration. Yeah. I realized that was the entire title. Yeah. There is some embellishment decoration. The vanity project. Well, I was like very against comedy records for a long time. I still kind of am because I feel like it's such a live thing that you miss something if you yeah. just turn on the record. And so many comics have just put it out to be like, I'm a real comedian. I put out a record. Uh -huh. So um, I people have been asking me to put one out for the, that, like the podcast. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll put out a record and people want to basically contribute to the podcast and buy the record to at least get something. So my wife was like, you know, if you put one out, you have to call it the vanity project. Cause you're the asshole who complains about it all the time. So I was like, you're right. Yeah. Um, and then I recorded it in Hollywood. So I was like, all right. I'll... So it was called the vanity project volume one, which I thought was just funny. And then what's the Hollywood part? Uh, Hollywood land. Cause I recorded it in Hollywood. Wow. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Yeah. But people should get it. Yeah. They can, they can buy that if they like, what are your, uh, what are your very, your, so it's TV Guidance Counselor. TV Guidance Counselor, which is tvguidancecounselor.com or on iTunes and Google Play and all that. comes out every Wednesday. Has TV Guide ever come after you or are they? No, they, they follow me on Twitter and stuff. Um, I think they follow me too, but I think they follow like 500. Yeah, 000. and a lot of the editors follow me on Twitter. I mean, I, I think it's I think it's somewhat helpful. To yeah, yeah, I can't. It's not, it's not slamming TV Guide. Yeah, yeah. so that's um, good. And, and, you know, I look at it like those recap shows that like like Gilmore Guys or something, except right. like recapping an issue of their magazine. Right. Um, Did you... Uh... Okay. Did you, what's your Twitter? Uh, Kenneth W. Reed. Verified account, right? Verified account. How'd Same you get way. a verified? Man? They just messaged me and verified me. Once. Really? Yeah. Which I don't understand. Wow. Facebook, good. I got verified through like one of those people when you're at a festival and they're like, I'm from Facebook. Give me your phone. You're verified. Okay. Oh, wow. On Twitter, they were like, you're, you're now verified, which was weird. It's big time, man. It's big time. Thanks for uh, breaking up the day here in Burlington to do this. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for it's, it's a it's a long time. It's been a while since. I mean, it's this is overdue, is what I'm saying. <laughs> trying to say something nice, like the book Jeffrey Ross. Uh, right, like speaking of overdue, Jeff Ross. What's going on with that book? And people at home, thank you for listening, and uh, see you soon. This is firefighter Raphael Poirier for Firehouse Subs. Introducing the new spicy Cajun chicken sub, Cajun seasoned grilled chicken breast, zesty cherry peppers, and house-made Cajun mayo. Just $5.55 for a medium. Remember, a portion of every sub you buy helps provide life-saving equipment for first responders. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Limited time only, plus tax. Participating locations. Firehouse Subs would donate a minimum of $1 million in 2019 to the Firehouse Subs Public Safety Foundation by donating 0.11% of every purchase.